Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, May 11, Why? 2020. I don't know what's going on, Kevin. It screwed up. For whatever reason, it screwed up. There it is. Whoa. Oh, oh. I fixed Sweet. it. Do you want to take it from the top, or do we want to just continue from here? I just continue from here. Just continue. Uh, Monday, May 11, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adio A. Jr. And joining me is Tim Ma Fucking Gettys. Let's him host Bless. How you doing? Another Monday. Where it's you and me and the news is yeah. dropping. I can't wait to talk about all this stuff, man. I can't wait good. to talk about it either. Uh, Tim, special, I want to... A very special Monday, May 11th. Oh. Alfredo Diaz's birthday. Everyone oh, happy birthday, Alfredo. Alfredo plays is some sweet, nasty love for his, for his big 31. Oh, you know? also wow. Paula's father's birthday. Wow. Is Alfredo Paula's also... father? <laughs> Holy shit. I never <laughs> thought about that. No, I confirm he is not. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunate uh tim i want to commend you on one once again you're killing the the color scheming here the the blue and purple Thank matching you. up with your shirt it looks matching sick spurs. two i want to also commend you you look great today like i don't know if it's the glow or what i don't know but what it is working i appreciate that but kevin pointed out earlier that uh my mustache has been shaved too much i shaved it one thingy lower than the rest of it because it uh. gets bushy and gets in my freaking nose and it bothers me during the shows but there's going to be a transition period where it doesn't look that great. But guess what? That's what you guys are all about. That transition period. I love that you. Transition you period. love me. We're going to love each other together. Speaking of transitions, today's stories include The Elder Scrolls Six being far, far away, a new challenger approaching game showcases, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be part of the show head to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show uh, for housekeeping thank you to our patreon producers muhammad muhammad blackjack and al tribesman today we're brought to you by hymns but i'll tell you about that later for now let's begin with what is and forever will be the roper report Time for some news. We have six stories today. Oh, Baker's dozen! Starting with our number one, The Elder Scrolls Six. Next news will likely be years from now. Uh, this is from Joe Scrubbles at IGN who writes, Don't expect details on The Elder Scrolls Six until years from now, according to Bethesda's senior vice president, Pete Hines. Responding to a tweet asking for information about the next-gen game, Hines was unequivocal, making clear that news on the, on the still fairly unknown Starfield is coming well before anything on Elder Scrolls. Uh, I have the tweet here, right? Quentin Myers on Twitter, at KilowattQ, uh, tweets at P. Hines and says, all right, check it out, at DC Deacon, which is P. Hines' Twitter. Let's cut the shit. When can we expect some info on hashtag the Elder Scrolls 6? We need this. Hashtag Bethesda, hashtag Elder Scrolls, hashtag SBASUZX. Uh, P. Hines then responded to that saying, it's after Starfield, which you pretty much know nothing about. So if you're coming to me, coming at me for details now and not years from now, I'm failing to properly manage your expectations. We are in the article continues. We already know we already knew not to expect Starfield or Elder Scrolls six news this year. So it'll likely be some time before we hear anything about either game. Bethesda won't be holding a digital replacement for E3 this year, but it does plan to deliver news on Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo in some form. Tim, does this surprise you? 
Uh, it does not surprise me. My favorite thing about it, though, is Quentin Myers, the first guy that tweeted, just straight up saying, cut the shit. When can we expect some info? <laughs> it's just, I, I love the, the brazenness of it all. Um, but also Pete Hines, our boy, being transparent, trying to come through and set the expectations right, which I think is uh, a, a key element of the games industry over the last couple of years, I think, has been this idea of, hey, they're people, too, and us people want to get to know those people and we want there to be a type of dialogue back and forth and with what social media allows conversations like this to happen i feel like there's uh no excuses to not be transparent about the, this type of thing right when uh especially yeah. like when it comes to expectations and especially in a world that no longer has e3 and a lot more questions are up in the air where every year would be like this week, what's everyone announcing? What's Bethesda going to do at Bethesda's press conference? Because we know Bethesda's going to do a press conference. Now we know they're not doing one. We don't know. We know they're going to be parts of some of the various game festivals going on um, this summer. Where are they going to be? To what extent is that going to just be focusing on games you already know about? New games, one game. It's definitely not going to be what we traditionally see from Bethesda, kind of like rolling out their updates of their entire catalog, right? Um, yeah. But I do think that this is a learning curve that everyone's going through. And as we saw last week with the Xbox thing, look, I don't think anyone's ever going to nail it because people are always going to have their own expectations going into these different events. But I do think that the more you can get ahead with it with facts of Starfield is next, like that's an important thing to know. Elder Scrolls 6 is years away. That's an important thing to, to get ahead of, right? So people aren't yeah. even speculating. Yeah, like especially for Elder Scrolls, which is a title that you showed off, or not showed off, but you well, you literally showed off the title. Uh, I believe either last E three or the or the E three before that. I can't remember. Times a flat circle at this point. Um, but you gave you gave us the title Elder Scrolls Six. I I feel like I feel like that might have been a mistake. I feel like that might have been too early. I understand why they did it. They did it because announcing Starfield, people start to get worried about what's happening with Elder Scrolls, and we are very much looking forward to the next Elder Scrolls, right? Because uh, Skyrim was this was a breakout success. Like, of course, like people already knew, but that's the studios uh, specifically from Fallout Three and Oblivion and the previous Elder Scrolls games. But Skyrim was a success on another level, and mm -hmm. with that being the case, right? Like, people are very much looking forward to Elder Scrolls Six. But when Starfield is your next project and you're you're announcing that, right? You wanna you kind of wanna you wanna let that happen with the least like hate and skepticism as possible. And the way you do that is by also confirming to people that yes, Elder Scrolls Six is still coming in the future. What that do what that does though is this, right? It has people tweeting at Pete Hines, being like, "Yo, like, so uh, when can we expect this?" Knowing damn well it's not gonna be like it's not imminent by any means. Elder Scrolls Six is years and years and years away at this point. Yeah. See, I, something that I, I've been talking about a lot with uh, with you and Greg over the last couple months is I like the idea of different games having different types of schedules when it comes to to hype and marketing. Like, I feel like the majority of games would benefit from the Fallout um, 4 rollout plan, which is kind of like announcement, you know, press tour and release within yeah, four months, six months, right? Yeah. Like, that's great. That's fantastic. But I do think that, you, there's something special about games that are kind of like the more unicorn death stranding types where here's this game that's announced and we know it's coming we know it's like going to be a huge game but it's going to be years down the line and i think that elder scrolls is that type of game where we know there's going to be an elder scrolls 6 guess what there's going to be an elder scrolls 7 like that's how this works right so it's like mm -hmm. just announcing it and confirming that it's happening 
is to me kind of like a Metroid Prime 4 situation where I welcome it. Like to me, knowing that a Metroid Prime is coming is valuable information. Granted, that's a perfect example of how this can go wrong where it wasn't going well. They had to restart. It's going to be even later than they even planned. But as a Nintendo fan, I know a Metroid is coming. Before that, it would have just been speculation of, is it ever coming back? What's going on? Now it's like, okay, at least it's happening. And I feel like with Elder Scrolls, it's like, we know it's happening. So it's like, yes, people are going to be asking questions. But then I feel like now Pete can actually give answers. Whereas before, with this question, he wouldn't necessarily be able to say, oh, it's after Starfield because it's not officially announced. Even though yeah, we know I, what's happening. I, I, I'm with you if this was like their game that they're just starting development on like right now and they, and they see it down the pipeline in like three years, right? Like Elder Scrolls 6 is probably a 2025 game at this point, right? Like if we, if we even assume that like Starfield is coming out next year or the year after next year, right? Like it, given a, like a three to four year development cycle, then yeah, like Elder Scrolls 6 is going to be like 2025. To which see, I feel... Like it's a 2023 goal, 2024 mm. actual release. And I think a lot I of that think, has to do with yeah. the Corona stuff. Like, I, I think that 2023 that. is like they, they want it to be firmly in next gen, you'd imagine. Like, you For want, sure. you want, they want the, I mean, the point, units yeah. to be out there to be built and all that, you know, to have that uh, customer base built already um, to get a game like this out because it's going to be a mega hit. It's like there's expectations already with this game. Real quick, going back to um, what I was saying about Death Stranding uh, being one of these like unicorn games, I it's crazy where uh, I saw um, a comment thread on Reddit. They were saying that Last of Us Part Two will have a longer time between announcement and release than Death Stranding did. Wow, isn't that wild yeah. to think about? Because Death Stranding felt like it was so long, whereas Last of Us to me did you know doesn't feel like it's that long. Yeah, even though it well, Death Stranding. When you look at Death Stranding, Death Stranding had like a very healthy uh, development cycle, like seemingly, right? Because it was announced 2016, right? Because it was 20, 20, the end of 2015, we got Metal Gear Solid 5. The very end of 2015, I think like December-ish, you had that Andrew House sit down with Kojima where they mm -hmm. talked about how, yes, we're partnering with Kojima Productions to make their next, uh, to, to have their next game be on PlayStation. And then, yeah, it was that following E3 in 2016, mid-2016, where we got that first Death Stranding reveal. And I think immediately we kind of put it in that that box of Final Fantasy 13 Versus or Kingdom Hearts 3, where it's where it's something that we feel like is just never going to come out. Because like, what are the what are the chances that this whole this uh Kojima game, right? That is that is that coming right off the heels. The year before. Yeah, like that didn't exist. That they're announcing with a trailer here out of nowhere. Like, what are the chances this is gonna come out in any time like soon? Right. And then yeah, like come 2019. Three years later, they're able to come out with that game, right? That tells me that that everything went as planned there. Like, you know that that that's a development cycle that they ha they had things unlocked. They had it. They had us. They had um uh, uh deadlines that they hit. You know, everything went well. And yeah, like last last was part two. If you if you look at it uh, by comparison, right? Like, of course, a lot of it comes down to uh COVID and and, and things that are outside of Naughty Dog's control, right? But like. Yeah, well, like it's a, been kind of totally a month your ride, for sure. A month, a month for that, and then you also had like the delay that happened from February to um, that was going to be in May. Yeah, but yeah, it's been a it's been a bumpier ride if you if from the outside looking in, if you look at the two development cycles compared. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I want actually want to I want to rewind a bit actually because you talked about Bethesda not having an E3, and I don't think we we've actually had this conversation yet, right? Like, 
what do you think their their plan is there? Because they've had an E3 showcase over the last three, four years. Yeah. And this is the first year since, I want to say since Fallout 4 that mm-hmm. they've taken off. Yeah, and you know, every year has been very different showings for them where you know fallout 4 was that that kind of like hey motherfuckers here's our dick on the table it's like everyone knew that's what was going to happen but it really was kind of like their showcase for that but that was also the e3 that we got doom 2016 yep shown off and like that that was big, right expectations were kind of set for oh bethesda has a seat at the table when it comes to e3 press conferences and i remember we've had pete on the shows before kind of talking about like is that always are you guys always going to do this showcase and as the years went on um, I feel like they've kind of ranged in quality, and I know that a lot of people's opinions differ on the Bethesda um, showcases, especially because there was that one year where it was essentially just a video that played on a theater screen. Yeah. Um, and, like, I personally loved that shit. I remember, like, we were a lot higher on it than um, a lot of the internet seemed to be. But um, I always appreciate that that they've kind of had these showcases that are showing off so many of the different games. And there's usually some new IP coming through, like Deathloop. Is that the name of the game? Yeah, Deathloop, yeah, from um, uh, Arkane. Yeah, like that that was super exciting to me just as a new concept coming out, right? And I'd love to see yeah. an update on that this year. We're not going to get that. Well, at least we're not going to get it in an E3, but that's the showcase. But I remember Pete saying that, you know, he believes in their library of content and it having the updates for the Elder Scrolls online game, right, that we have to watch the 10-minute CG videos for. But then there also is, like, exciting new things and, like, deeper dives into games and um, I'm actually a bit surprised that they're not continuing to to do one this year based on how they've talked about it in the in the past. And I yeah. think that it, it has more to do with um not having E3 as a, a real structural structured thing that it's not happening. Yeah, I'm shocked they don't go for it given that yeah, one year they did have a a showcase that was essentially just a stream, right? Like barely like they did they barely did anything on stage that year, like a couple years ago. I for the Bethesda E3 showcases, I've been of the mind that, like, yeah, that first one was incredible. But as they've been going, they've kind of been losing me more and more with kind of with, with how they present them and in, in the content that we kind of see in them. Because, yeah, we went from that big Fallout 4 uh, layout where they, they, they showed us all the gameplay, they showed us all the new features, all this stuff. And it was this incredible time, right? And they had Doom and they had, uh, they had a, a very excellent showcase that year. It's now, like, last year they had uh, Deathloop, which was cool. Ghostwire Tokyo, which was cool, um, but I also want to say, la- oh no, it wouldn't have been last year because maybe it would have been. I'm thinking of uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood was that, was that one of them. Mm-hmm. There was one recent one where I was like, because there was there was one year where they talked about how like single player games aren't dead, right? And single player games are Bethesda, and we're gonna we're we're gonna keep doing this. But then the following year, they had like Wolfenstein Youngblood and Fallout 76 and games that were decidedly like taking their single player franchise and making them multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then also like when those games came out, they weren't that great. Um, and so like I don't know this this year I'm surprised that they're not doing the doing it from the sense that they have Ghostwire, which who who knows what's going on with that because you saw like one of the key figures of that game uh, uh, leave. They also have um, uh, uh, Deathloop, right? Which looks pretty cool which you imagine is coming out within the next couple years they have starfield which they've announced and i'm sure they're also working on games that they just haven't announced like they they have a lineup there that they they could do things with and so it's kind of surprising me that this year they they seem to be kind of laying low in terms of having a big showcase from them exclusively 
Yeah, I mean, it, if I'm being real, I, I feel like that the uh, the next gen console releases and how weird this rollout's been is probably affecting a lot of the third party uh, teams' plans when it comes to announcements because, you know, Bethesda probably didn't want to commit to talking about these things before PlayStation Five has even announced how it is handling their smart delivery type platform. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like there's so many questions that we have that. I can imagine they're like, all right, we're just going to sit this one out because it's too messy and confusing and we don't want to have to write ourselves around the the lack of knowledge that's that's out there right now. That makes sense. Tim, story number two. Guerrilla Collective, a huge indie game showcase, has been announced for June. I'm pulling this again from Joe Scrubbles at IGN, who writes, The Media Indie Exchange has announced Guerrilla Collective, a three-day event focused on indie developers and publishers, taking place from June 6th to June 8th. It'll make up part of IGN's Summer of Gaming Showcase. Produced alongside the Kind of Funny Game Showcase and hosted that's by us, Kind of baby. Funny... That's us. Kind of Funny co-founder and ex-IGN lo- uh, lovely man, Greg Miller. The event will begin on June 6th at 10 a.m. Pacific and promises news and announcements for every platform. Some of the announced participants include Larian, Baldur's Gate 3, Thunderful, the Steam World series, uh, ZAUM, Disco Elysium, and Rebellion, Sniper Elite. On June 7th, there will be a second online press event, and June 8th will include a day of gameplay demos and developer interviews. You can see a list of all the currently announced developers and publishers involved in the show at the bottom of this story, although more are promised. I'm not going to read, that, read out the whole list, but there's a long list there, and it looks pretty good. The Grill Collective event will also include the Paradox Insider broadcast, the digital version of the yearly PC gaming show and feature games show. Exciting stuff, Tim. Very exciting stuff. Uh, Greg and I have been working on this in the background for about a month now, um, talking to the the team over at, at Mix, and it's it's real exciting, man. Like this is kind of a, a next step for the kind of funny game showcase. It's it's uh it's very different but very similar at the same time. Like we we're looking at we've, we're seeing a lot of these uh um, developers and and games that we're working with, and like it's exciting stuff. And like you know we've been Greg and I were talking a lot about like what are we, are we doing the game showcase this year? E three is not here. Does that mean we definitely do it? Do we not do it? I don't know. But uh, then this kind of opportunity came up, and it's like, well, this makes perfect sense. Uh, partnering up with them kind of helps us in a lot of ways uh, get access to things that we would never be able to get. And you know we kind of have the uh, the knowledge of the last two showcases we've made, and that's kind of what they're tapping into us for. So it's definitely exciting times. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot. It's gonna be a lot of games, um, and it's gonna be super fun. I love that we're able to add to the, the craziness that is <laughs> this new summary three that's happening yeah. happening forever. So people listening and watching know what the kind of funny game showcase is. What exactly is the difference between this right here and in the in the kind of funny showcase? So this is not the kind of funny game showcase. Uh, this mm-hmm. is we're we're like. It's presented by the kind of funny game showcase, I would say. Um, it is it's very like a much a, a Guerrilla Collective is this this group uh, that's created by Mix that is kind of focused on just putting eyes on these amazing indie developers and um, the the work that they've done. Like the you should look at the full list of developers because there's a lot of really really cool um, guys and gals there that have made games that you've definitely played and loved before so i I feel like it's going to be the heart of the kind of funny game showcase just in a Mm -hmm. a different more spread out like stretched out kind of multi-day uh experience and it's going to i think go a a lot deeper than the the game showcase previously has in terms of demos and um you know developer interviews and stuff and it's kind of just like trying to fill that void of just having 
a place to be able to celebrate indie games and um, an announce them and, you know, kind of use our platform and the platform that Mix has uh, been developing and been so amazing at for ever when it comes to promoting indie games and the, the hard work that those developers do. Yeah, uh, to paint a picture, I, I have actually pulled up the, the IGN article that lists the full develop the the full list of developers and publishers. I want to read through it real quick because uh, this is actually a very impressive list, right? You got Eleven Bit Studios, uh, who does who who did Frostpunk in this War of Mine. Another indie, Coffee Stain Studios, does Deep Rock Galactic. Fellow Traveler, Funcom, Mutant Year Zero, Road to Eden, and Conan Exiles. Uh, Good Shepherd Entertainment, John Wick Hex and the Eternal Cylinder. Uh, Head Up, Humble Publishing, Larian Studios, which I mentioned before. Modern Wolf, Paradox Interactive, uh, Raw Fury, which you know from Kingdom Two Crowns and Atop Atomic Crops. Uh, Rebellion, Sniper Elite 4, and Zombie Army 4, Dead War. Uh, those awesome guys from Monster Prom. Uh, Thunderfall from SteamWorld. Quest, Hand of Gilgamech. Uh, United Label, Versus Evil, Whitehorn Games, Wings Interactive. Uh, I never, I never know how to pronounce these guys' name. Easebird Games from uh, World of Hor Horror and uh, Valhalla, um, and then yeah, uh, Zaum, which I, I've always assumed is pronounced Zaum, but I've never really like looked. I don't know that. how to pronounce but, it, but I'm gonna say Zam. Zam uh, from the Disco Elysium people, as you know them. So yeah, like a very impressive list of developers. I'm very excited for this. I think this. This helps us kind of see how how things are kind of laying out this summer in terms of the different events that are happening. We're going to talk later about Ubisoft because they announced Ubisoft Forward, which is their mm -hmm. digital streaming uh, event. But yeah, between that, between what you imagine are going to be the what's going to be the PlayStation uh, showcase, the we already know Xbox what Xbox has going on right at this point monthly. You know, the summer is kind of the summer is kind of looking more and more uh um i guess visible in terms yeah, of what we can cool. expect from game announcements and uh you know in for sake of transparency that we've been talking about a lot like looking at this list it's like that this is what you're getting like from this it's you know i i feel like there is definitely we're making the promise that the games that the developers there are going to be announcing cool projects you've liked those projects you're probably going to like these new ones as well Frank Furter writes in to patreon.com slash games just like you can and says, Good morning, Blessing and Tim. A new digital three-day conference entitled Gorilla Collective was announced for the beginning of June, and it'll showcase new games from indie devs. But more importantly, it'll be hosted by Greg Miller and will bring back the kind of funny indie showcase. First off, congrats on the new gig, as I'm happy to see these indie devs are, aren't put off by Greg's weird obsession with uh, cheap platinums for okay to not great games. Second, with all the pieces seeming to line up, does the announcement of this conference prod deeper into the rumor that Sony will be doing some sort of announcement on June 4th, or do you think it'll be sooner? Thanks for all you do, Frank Furter. Let's see here. June 4th for a, for a Sony for a sony conference tim i, I mean it could think? happen i don't know like right now i i feel like nobody has any concrete details when it comes to sony stuff because i've heard june 2nd i've heard june 4th i've heard yeah there's been like a May. lot of dates kind of thrown out there as rumors and like none none of them seem concrete enough like there's not really been enough evidence to really point toward one or the other like mainly what we're getting a lot of though is like the first week of june last week of may now which we could have assumed to dive a little deeper, though, into Frank's question, is with all the pieces seeming to line up, does the announcement of this conference pry deeper into the rumor that Sony, whatever? I can tell you 100% no, <laughs> because I've been deeply involved in the conversations of the production of this, and we, the people involved, do not have knowledge of the PlayStation thing because it's mm -hmm. us. <laughs> so I'm telling you, Greg and I don't know. <laughs> so um, this, the date for this has nothing to do with um, 
where a Sony the conference Sony might, yeah, might yeah. end up make makes sense. Story number three, Tim. Speaking of uh, summer showcases, Ubisoft announces Ubisoft Forward in a tweet this morning. At Ubisoft tweeted, "Save the date. Join us July twelfth for Ubisoft Forward, a fully digital showcase with exclusive game news, reveals, and more. Stay tuned." Hashtag Ubi Forward, and that's happening July twelfth at noon Pacific. Tim, we could have this. This is a thing we've been kind of waiting for, mm-hmm. right? Like we all kind of like Ubisoft. I think said before, right? When when E three was originally canceled um they came out and said like hey we're doing a digital event this june and so we got the name of it ubisoft forward well they didn't say june oh i I, got july sorry not june i think i I think they said summer but yeah it's it's announced for july and and Um, i think that that to me is the most exciting thing about this is that you know when when everyone was getting out of the way when all this was happening and it was just like people are announcing that they're going to do conferences i feel like they're, everyone jumped down to like oh it's still going to be that that week of june that we expect from you three i like this you know and i think that you know we talked a lot about the summer game fest thing that keely's working on and uh the idea that this could be setting a new standard going forward where you know maybe like people can expect july 12th that week that time frame to be yubi's slot every year you know mm-hmm. Like that could be rad if each of these developers and publishers get kind of their own little time to shine. So that way the news cycle gets spread out a bit more. I just think it's better for everyone really um, at the end of the day to not be distracted by stuff. I think that it's better for competition in the sense of being able to look at each conference as its own thing. And it doesn't need to immediately turn into a who won E3 conversation, which is fun to talk about, but it's always a really silly thing when you actually think about what we're comparing because it's yeah. like are we comparing what conference was most hyped or what has the most games that are actually coming out now that matter right like yeah. cool because i feel and like I, a lot of it, times like the winners are the ones that just show the most logos yeah and at the end of the day i feel like that kind of takes away from what the actual publishers and, and developers want right mm-hmm. like you know you're, you're you're out here like showing off assassin's creed and just dance and for honor and whatever tom clancy games that you're showing off right and you want the takeaway for it to be like for people to, to see that and go like oh shoot that looks cool or oh shoot i want that but like at the end of the day what the takeaway for many people ends up being is well bethesda's conference was better or playstation's conference was better which i don't think is necessarily i'm, sh- I'm sure there there is some benefits to that conversation because totally. because any press is good press but at the same time like you can get that press at a, during another time of the year and have the focus be solely on you without all the clutter of, of information kind of blocking uh, that from the consumer. And I think that the idea of, you know, competition breeds excellence. I think that that isn't necessarily true in the sense of E3 anymore, just because it, there is so much noise, there is so much going on. And I feel like this actually, it, I think, kind of allows that competition to be even stronger because it's all eyes on you at that point. And those eyes are being compared to what the other guys did. Like, now we know that EA is June, right? We know that yeah. UB is July. It's like, this this can be kind of interesting, right? As it starts to, to build out, we know, like, let's say Microsoft's July event. I doubt it's going to be the same day as this UB thing. Yeah. <laughs> Where no, they show like, the first party titles, right? Like, yeah. it just, I'm excited for a world two years from now where, we're looking at it and we understand when we do our games cast e3 predictions topic i don't know what the fuck we're going to call it that headline's not going to be pretty but it's mm-hmm. going to be us in early may doing a predictions topic that is predicting what's you be going to do in july you know yeah yeah and i i think honestly for me i kind of see this this scenario is better than the whole week of news scenario right the idea that we could spend a whole summer 
like experiencing new gaming news, like new exciting announcements, right? Like, and I that I know that kind of takes away from the hype of it kind of being this competitive, like you know, like three day long, like who's having the best conference kind of thing. But in in the long run, long run, right? Like a whole summer of gaming announcements sounds you know really fun, really cool. Uh, probably better on both sides, you know, from like the the developer side and the publisher side, and also the consumer side. Um, uh, being able to kind of take each announce- announcement one at a time and 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 kind of process that and and be excited for each thing. I'm really into that. That sounds cool to me. Story number four: Former Titanfall and Apex Legends devs have started a new studio called Gravity Well. I'm pulling this from Alessandro Barbosa at Gamespot, who writes. After working with Respawn Entertainment since its inception, two former employees have opened a new studio which aims to develop AAA games without any crunch, delivering, quote, bold new ideas exclusively for next-gen hardware and PCs, end quote. Gravity Well's two founders are Drew McCoy and John Slothy Showering. McCoy helped found Respawn Entertainment after working on Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare and most recently acted as an, as an executive producer on Apex Legends. Shiring has worked on netcode and launches for multiple online shooters, including Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, Titanfall, and Apex Legends. The pair are launching Gravity Wells as, as a remote studio in the wake of COVID-19, but aim to establish a formal studio space in the future. In the announcement, McCoy specifically mentions the goal of creating a studio that focuses on the health and compensation of its employees. Quote, we take team health as an absolute pri- top priority. That means we are anti-crunch. That means good compensation. That means everyone at Gravity Well is creative freedom. Because when someone else makes all the decisions, work isn't fun and the product isn't as good. Uh, end quote. McCoy writes. Shiring adds that the pair weren't happy with how larger teams stifled both creativity and development speed. With Gravity Well aiming to hire between 80 to 85 employees to avoid that. Shiring also mentions that the pair, quote, aren't satisfied with the low level of creative risk that gets project funded, uh, gets project funding these days, end quote, with the aim to produce creatively diverse titles for new hardware. Gravity Wells is currently seeking developers, artists, managers, and more to get in contact as it starts building, building the studio from the ground up. You can find its open listings on the studio's official website. Tim, this this all seems pretty cool, right? A new studio uh, from mean, the from real talk. I don't, people. I don't think there's a bad word here, right? Yeah, it's like this sounds like perfect dream case scenario where they're talking about, okay, cool, we're going to make AAA games. They're going to be bold new ideas that are exclusive to next gen, so it's built around that hardware specifically. Uh, we're going to be make sure we're treating our team right. We're going to make sure that they're compensated. Everyone's ideas are all equal and all that stuff. All of this sounds fantastic. I wish the best for them. I hope we see this. We know these are talented people already. Uh, we've seen the work that they've done over the years, and it is to the level that there's expectations set when you drop the term AAA games, right? Um, yeah. They know how to make them. This sounds fantastic. I definitely hope that it it proves to be as positive as they're making it out to sound now. Yeah, that's my that's my big thing is that I hope it proves to be a success because I think you see like a a, a lot of it can uh, at the end of the day can come down to like words on a page, but if it isn't actually acted on and it, and it, if this isn't sustained, then like words kind of mean nothing at that point. But I really do hope that like. They, they find something that works. Because when I read the words AAA and I read that they're talking about anti-crunch and good compensation and creative freedom and all these things, right? Like, all that sounds amazing. But yeah, I want to see it in practice. Um, and I hope I hope they're able to succeed with it because I think that then helps set a new precedent in the industry if they're able to pull this off. 
Totally. I mean, the thing is, you you need to want this to work, and I feel like like us as consumers and as gamers need to support things like this because this is the future we want. This is a better future for everyone that likes video games. So definitely, like, wish the best for them. Yeah. Story number five: Mafia announcements seem to be incoming. I uh, I pulled this from different sources. All right, I got two exhibits that I want to I want to look at today for you, Tim. All right, Exhibit A. Push Square. They put out an article uh, earlier called Mafia 2 Definitive Edition, looking likely after multiple ratings. All right. So I'm going to read directly. Uh, this is Liam Croft writing for Push Square. Uh, they write, rumors of a Mafia franchise revival have been doing rounds for more than six months now, following the mixed reception of Mafia 3, and that game's predecessor appears to be playing a large part in those supposed plans. Alongside a reboot, Mafia 2 looks like it's coming to PS4 in the form of a remaster named Mafia 2 Definitive Edition. Picked up by Kamatsu, the release in question has been rated by the Game Rating and Administration Committee of Korea for unknown platforms. We have to assume that the PS4 will be one of those consoles the Definitive Edition launches on, meaning we could be returning to the streets of 1940s Empire Bay before too long. Mafia 2 received three pieces of DLC after its launch in August 2010 for PS3, so we reckon this remaster will package those together alongside the base game with some graphical enhancements. They then updated that story later, because that story, I believe, was from, I think, the beginning of the weekend. They then updated that to say, Mafia 2 Definitive Edition has now been rated for PS4 in Taiwan. Rather interestingly, alongside Mafia 3 Definitive Edition, it very much looks like this one is happening. And then they updated it again later on, saying, Mafia 2 Definitive Edition has also been rated for release in Brazil, as spotted by Kamatsu. This is all in addition to the franchise's social media account recently springing to life, and an announcement seems imminent. So that's Exhibit A, and then Exhibit B is, yes, the Mafia uh, Mafia Twitter. And when I say Mafia Twitter, I'm talking about the game, not the real Mafia. Um, they started tweeting uh, yesterday, actually. They tweeted just the word family, and then they followed that up today by tweeting just the word power. Tim, there we go. Mafia's Mafia's back. I gotta like. say, I, I I think this is happening. <laughs> yeah, I gotta you gotta assume something something's happening here, and so it seems like an announcement will probably happen this week. I'd assume within the next mm-hmm. couple of days, especially if they're if they're tweeting daily at this point. Then yeah, like it it seems to be imminent, um, and it seems to be Mafia two and three definitive edition. I know some some people in um uh, on Patreon.com, just kind of funny games. The the questions submission form were asking about whether this could be Mafia 4. And given all we know, and given like the rumors that we talked about on the show uh, a couple months ago, it very much seems like it's not, it's not Mafia 4. It very much seems like it's Mafia 2 and 3, which I think is going to be exciting for people that are fans of Mafia 2 and 3. And you can, ex- you can probably expect Mafia 4 coming next gen at some point, which I think you would want rather than Mafia 4 right now. Mm. Um, and so all this seems like good news, uh, good news for me. Tim, have you ever been interested in playing Mafia? No, not really. Mafia Three, like the trailers going into it, like I liked the the setting and stuff of that one a bit more. But yeah, once it came out, like the reviews, and I remember Greg wasn't super high on it either, so hmm. never got into it. I want to try out Mafia Three at some point. I've heard such good things about the story um, and about like certain unique things they do with the open world. Like I know, like the overall package kind of came out to be underwhelming for the most part for people, but. It's a game that, at the very least, I want to try for the story to see if that really lives <laughs> up. I know Barrett really likes the story. And so, if anything, this is probably exciting for Barrett. And then our last story, story number six. The PlayStation you know, Store... What's not exciting been, for Barrett? When it's, what's not exciting for Barrett? The, the PlayStation Store being suspended for... No, Jeff Keighley, Jeff Keighley announcing that tomorrow's uh, 
announcement of the Sunrise number one that Jeff Keeley is announcing a game tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. On the it's Summer Game Fest thing uh, for May 12th, 9 a.m. Pacific, Sunrise number one. Join Jeff Keeley for a surprise game reveal. He came forward and said, hey, I've seen the speculation. It's not Batman. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so a lot yeah. of people were thinking it was Batman, so Barrett, um, I'm sure he's not happy Sorry, about Barrett. that, although I'm sure he didn't expect it to be Batman. It's crazy how how much people are thirsting for Batman right now that every every game announcement that's like that has a question mark on it could be Batman and that's like it's enough to make Jeff Keighley go like hey guys just so you know it's not Batman like it's enough to make people actually take action to let people know like no this this ain't it um story number six though the PlayStation Store has been suspended in China I'm pulling this from Vicky Blake at Eurogamer who writes the PlayStation Store has been suspended in mainland China Right now, there's no confirmation on why the store has been taken offline, although the official word from the Chinese PlayStation Weibo account is that it's been taken off for security upgrade. Having gone offline at 7 a.m. this morning, local time, with little warning, there's no indication of what time or even what date the service will resume. Quote, the PlayStation Store, PSN, has been temporarily suspended in mainland China from from 7 a.m. on May 10th. No time or date given for resumption of services, uh, tweeted Daniel Ahmad, an industry analyst. Uh, he then continues, the official reason given to, given is to carry out security upgrades, but it is unclear what this means exactly. The only reason I'm posting this, and this is Daniel Ahmad continuing on Twitter, the only reason I'm posting this is, is this, and I kid you not, is because an Xbox fanboy claimed on Weibo, which is a Twitter-like microblogging site for China, that they reported they reported to authorities about certain backdoor elements that are that are easily accessible to switch over switch to overseas services. It was taken down right after. So let's see what happens. End quote. When asked if security up- updates might be be a thinly veiled excuse uh, to quote search for games that threaten China's policies, Ahmed added, uh, "The China store only has officially approved games. If anything, it's to investigate possible backdoor." possible backdoors for overseas PSN services, end quote. Right now, there's no evidence that Sony's online store has been compromised. So there you go. Chinese PSN is down for updates, they're saying, but it might be because there's a backdoor somewhere. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Tim, yeah. I'm very curious and excited to see when when they come out and say uh, if PS said it's back in China. I don't know, Tim. It's a transition. <laughs> Stick with me. <laughs> I feel you, bless. If we want so to far know. away. <laughs> if I want to know what's coming out to Mom and Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Yeah. Tim, let me tell you, I don't think I've talked to anybody over the weekend. Like I think this is my first time actually talking to another person in maybe maybe like three days. Oh my god! Because I spent the whole week- yeah, because I spent the whole weekend playing Persona Five. I love uh, it. And I love people. it. That's and so. so funny. I'm getting. Your I'm voice very much is getting like, the gears. What the fuck? Yeah, like I'm very much getting the gears kind of rolling back in my brain for this week. Uh, out today, we got Emma Lost in Memories for PS4 and PS Vita, Gunbird for PC, Battle Mage Card Chaser for PC and Mac. Roll Control for PC and Mac, and Tap a Zombie for PC and Mac. Uh, new days for you. 2K Today announced the Sid Meier's Civilization VI New Frontier Pass, uh, a new season pass that brings eight new civilizations, nine new leaders, six new game modes, and more uh, to the critically acclaimed strategy game. Content will be released in six downloadable DLC packs delivered on a bi-monthly basis starting May 21st, 2020 through March 2021. 
So stay aware for that. And then Elva the Eco Dragon, the 3D action adventure in which you must keep the earth clean, is coming to Steam on May 19th. Great. So there you go. <laughs> now it's time for Reader Mill. You can write into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Hymns. You've heard us talk about Hymns and how they're helping guys look their best. If you haven't yet, it's time to see what they're all about. 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35. Once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late. 4hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. It's time to write a new chapter, one in which you have hair. Kind of funny zone, Andy and Nick use hymns, and they can tell you firsthand how uh, the, the incredible effects that hymns has had on their appearance. Tim, would you agree that Andy and Nick look hella sexy? Hundred <laughs> percent. Ever 100%. since they started using it's all hymns. thanks to that that hair. It's, it's all it's all thanks to that hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hymns is helping guys be the best versions of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA approved products to help treat hair loss. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. These are prescription solutions backed by science. For Hymns connects you to real doctors online, which can save you hours, completely confidential and discreet. Answer a few quick questions a doctor will review, and if they determine it's right for you, can just can prescribe you medication to treat hair loss that is shipped directly to your door. Right now, our listeners can get started with their first month free. Go to forhims.com slash games daily. That's forhims.com slash games daily. Prescription requires an online consultation with a physician who will determine determine if a prescription is appropriate. Offer valid only if prescribed. Three month minimum subscription. Additional restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's forhims.com slash games daily. Tim. Yeah. Zombie High X23 writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games. It's like you can. It says, if the Mario 64 Switch rumor for this year is true, do you think this means there won't be a possibility for the N64 library coming to Switch online? Would Nintendo not want people to just pass on the Switch release if they can get it cheaper with just the online subscription, or would they go with both? Also, what do you see as more likely this year, N64 games or Game Boy games coming to the Switch online library? Tim, let's start that from the first question, right? Yeah. If the Mario 64 rumor, uh, coming, Mario 64 coming to Switch remastered, if that's actually true this year, what do you think that does for N64 coming to Switch Online? I mean, I don't know. Because I don't see them releasing both the original Mario 64 and the remake. Unless the remake is part of a bundle that also includes the other games. Like, if there's more value added to that skew uh, that isn't just Mario 64... I don't think that they necessarily get in the way of each other. Um, having said that, you can't launch an N64 library on the Switch Online without Mario 64. So yeah, X. I so we'll see. Do I expect an N64 library this year? If I'm being honest, I don't expect anything from Nintendo at this point this year. <laughs> but we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised um, if they did it. Uh, but because I mean, you know, looking at the last couple of years, there has been a consistency of. Cool. The there's NES. Then a year later, there's SNES. But going back to the original um, reveal of the Switch, when they talked about Switch Online, they only mentioned Nintendo and Super Nintendo. They never mentioned uh, N64 or Game Boy or any of that stuff. So mm-hmm. if we get that stuff, which I think everyone wants, um, it'd be great. But there was never a expectation that that was going to happen. Yeah, like I I, I really wanted to happen. I wanted it to happen so badly, but. 
yeah, like I, I feel like at this point where my expectation kind of lies, especially with how they've treated uh, SNES online, right? They've not really given the monthly updates that we saw with NES online. That kind of tells me that, that they're kind of slowing down on that kind of support for backwards compatible uh, or I guess legacy Nintendo titles on Switch. If anything, I could even see and maybe I don't know. I don't even know if I actually believe this, but I could possibly see like a return of Virtual Console. Maybe they call it something else, but like basically buying N sixty four games piecemeal as opposed to including them all in like a in like a included library with Nintendo Switch Online. Like I could see Nintendo doing something weird like that. In terms of how they differentiate it between Mario sixty four remastered coming to Switch, I think if if they put out an HD version of Mario 64, I feel like that'll be enough of a selling point, especially if they separate them by time, right? Like, say they come out late this year with Mario 64 Remastered on Switch. If you come out with N64 support for, like, your, your legacy titles, right, and put out the, the OG Mario 64, if you do that, like, a year or two years after this Mario 64 Remastered title, then I don't think it, may, it, it, I don't think it, that it matters as much in terms of how they uh, have conflict with each other, Yeah. right? And so I, I expect N64 games to appear on Switch in some form, though. Like, whether or not that's in the near future, I, I don't know. But the fact that, like, they had Virtual Console, you know, for Wii U, and you can play N64 games there, I feel like them not figuring out a way to put those on Switch, or not, not even figuring out, but for them not, not even offering that on Switch, I feel like it's just weird. Nintendo's weird, and so, like, that kind of falls in line. But Dude, it's, all, it's it just is weird, weird on another level. It's weird because, I mean, you're bringing up the idea of them doing a virtual console again like i i don't see nintendo doing that but i feel like that might be the only way this ends up actually being good because i i'm actually a big fan of the switch online stuff where you have all the nes games you have all the snes games and with rare exceptions the libraries are pretty damn complete right like super nintendo when it came out with like it launched with 20 games it's like those are most of the heavy hitters there are games like the donkey I mean, Kong country trilogy yeah. that aren't there earthbound and, and yeah like there are exceptions for sure but um i think there's a lot of licensing things and stuff that comes into play there um that we had seen problems with even on eShop, not for necessarily those games but overall when you're thinking about complete libraries but the other thing is at some point nintendo's not going to want to give you all of that value for how cheap the switch online service is so unless they want to complete like complicate things and add N64 games and GameCube games and all this stuff. But then that subscription price is going to go up because there's no way they're going to give you access to all those games for the the dollars a year that you're spending. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can definitely see that. It doesn't matter. Writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games. And that's their name that they wrote in, wrote in with. It doesn't matter. Uh, they wrote in and said, uh, special shout out to the homie numero uno, Kyle Stevenson, for his birthday today. Kyle is a true pillar in the community. He plans community events, promotes community podcasts, mods the Facebook group, and overall is a welcoming and friendly dude. The community would not be what it is without him. Happy birthday, dude. And I want to echo that. Happy birthday, Kyle. Kyle Stevenson is awesome. Happy birthday, so. Kyle. We love Kyle, you. When I, I actually, I used to also be an admin in the Facebook group, and I think that's when I first... Uh, uh, met and became aware of Kyle Stevenson, and ever since meeting him, been a been a ray of sun sunshine, mm-hmm. sunlight, stand up very, chap, stand up dude, very uh positive, and so happy birthday, Kyle Stevenson. Our last question comes from Ignacio Rojas, who writes in and says, "What is up, Blim? So, what exactly is Summer Game Fest? Last week's Inside Xbox was a show that supposedly kicked off the four month celebration, but 
I don't feel any different. Did attaching the Summer Game Fest name <laughs> to, <laughs> did, did attaching the Summer Game Fest name to yesterday's stream change anything? Did Jeff Keighley just just attach his name without having any involvement? Is Summer Game Fest just a glorified Google Calendar? Do you think by the end of it, having a Summer Game Fest will will have changed anything? Is there something I'm not seeing here? Anyways, as always, keep being awesome. Uh, Tim, when Summer Game Fest was first announced, it was me and you on the show, and I think we we had the prediction. Uh, we asked the question, like, how many times do you think Summer Game Fest is mentioned during the Inside Xbox? Mm-hmm. And I said once. Um, I thought they would they would at least like reference like you know, coming later is the X, this, is this Xbox event over here is going to be part of Summer Game Fest. I don't think they said it once during no, the they didn't. Xbox and, and I mean, not even just the Summer Game Fest. Like, I was actually um, pretty surprised that the way that they went into the Inside Xbox, I kind of expected them to give dates for the June and July events, uh, mm-hmm. not just kind of reference that there were things that ha- are going to happen because we already knew that information. So I thought it was a kind of weird how they didn't use the opportunity to kind of promote direct and like kind of like lay claim to different dates in general yeah what do you think this means for summer game fest though like because ignacio in, in, in his question here right asks is it just a glorified google calendar and i know jeff keely in his original pitch of it he did describe it as a, as a google calendar right i mean like, i think I, I yeah i i think that's what it is i think that people are kind of Ignacio here is is kind of saying I don't feel any different like I don't think that the intent was for you to feel different like it's not E3 like it is a different thing all that Summer Game Fest is is putting a title and kind of an ownership around uh, ring leading ownership of different dates so I I, I imagine that Jeff is is involved him asking here like did Jeff just attach his name without having an involvement I'm sure that there were conversations happening that kind of had that it's it's him kind of letting other people know like yo these guys already have this date these guys already have th- this date let's try to like organize this let's have one place that you can kind of see it all so yeah. if you're planning an event like the gorilla collective thing we're doing we're able to look and be like oh we should avoid this date we should go here because we don't want to get drowned out in other people's announcements right yeah like it's an it's an organization effort right it's it's, it's him kind of being able to rally the troops behind get behind showcasing their games during the summer um i i I will say that i am a a big proponent of summer game fest i think it's an awesome idea i think that it is good for the industry i think that it's just good overall for all the reasons we talked about even in this show of creating a better future for video game announcements having said that though i don't think that it's a flawless execution so far because if it's so function is being a calendar of all the major game events they need to get a little bit quicker because um this entire show i've had the summer game fest site pulled up and i've been refreshing it the ubisoft thing is still not on it (laughs) oh wow and it's kind of like that seems like a a big miss when because i was checking to see if they added if the gorilla collective things that that we're partnering with was is going to be be on this and Mm -hmm. because i'm not in all the conversations with that stuff but um but for Ubisoft's thing to still not be here, it just kind of feels. Was Ubisoft, and this is probably kind of funny.com slash you're wrong question, was Ubisoft on that original phase one picture that Jeff Keighley tweeted out with all the different logos of the companies? That's actually I imagine, an amazing point. They weren't. Yeah, because I imagine that's them a, it's and a Nintendo were two missing. I imagine it's, it, for huh. them for uh, to be in, included on that calendar, he, there probably has to be some sort of partnership or some sort of approval. 
from the from the publisher. And yeah, so definitely. maybe from for and I don't know what the what the deal with Gorilla Collective is as far as like the connection to Summer Game Fest, but like I wonder if like there's conversations there that have to be had first before Jeff Keighley is willing to put you on the calendar. Yeah. That's a, a very good point. It's a still a bummer though. I feel like this is the type of thing that works best when everyone's in on it. And looking at this, yeah. it really seems like the only people not in on it currently are Nintendo and Ubisoft. And they've even said already that they're working with Nintendo. That's just that's yeah. not phase one. It, the Summer Game Fest, I think, for me, is more of a, a difficult thing because I feel like for it to kind of be fully embraced the way that I think Jeff Keighley wants it to be embraced, like it has to be mentioned you know, in the actual streams themselves, in the actual events themselves, for people to kind of understand that this is all a a group effort, right? There being no mention of Summer Game Fest in, in, in Inside Xbox kind of makes me forget that Summer Game Fest is, like, is kind of a thing, right? Like, I, I feel yeah. like for, for like, my, the wide audience that's tuning in, right, like, you kind of have no connection unless you follow Jeff Keighley on Twitter and see that he's streaming at the same time. That's true, but I think that that's okay because I, I, I don't think it's about taking ownership of the content it's just about taking ownership of like a, a destination where it's like hey we're going to make this easy for you you can just come here and you're going to get all the things and you're going to get you know expert insight and all this stuff where i think this is going to start shifting and summer game fest actually becomes its own thing is things like tomorrow where we're going to get a game announcement and yeah. that game announcement could just be a blog post somewhere but instead Jeff Keighley's making it a sunrise. Like he's creating branding around game announcements that are unique to Summer Game Fest, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. if that game is of consequence of any sort, that's going to lead a very good kind of, leave a good taste in people's mouth of like, oh, okay, cool. Summer Game Fest is this place I can go that's just a calendar. But also there's going to be significant game announcements there. If the game awards are anything to, to go by, Jeff Keighley has access to some significant game announcements. He also has access to some game announcements. All of us are like, okay, you're just getting paid to promote this. <laughs> so mm -hmm. who knows? But I'm excited. The fact that right now there is only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things on the Summer Game Fest calendar from May to August. And one of them is tomorrow's Sunrise game su Surprise Game Reveal. That's exciting to me. And I, I hope that he sticks the landing on that. Yeah, I I hope so too. Like I want Summer Game Fest to work because I think it's a very cool idea, but I I kind of also want it to like I think if if this is going to work it has to be something that is more is an effort from more than just Jeff Keighley, right? Like I feel I feel like it kind of has to be a group effort in 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 some cases. And I feel like it's it's difficult because there are also other summer events happening, you know, from other places, right? IGN has Summer Summer of Gaming, um GameSpot has Play Play for All. Um, and like, I, I think there, the message starts to get muddied when there's multiple of this kind of thing happening at the same time and the communication from publishers and the people that are putting, putting, uh, putting out the streams is that like, Hey, yeah, we're a part of summer game fest. We're also part of IGN summer of gaming. We're also part of GameSpot's uh, play for all. And it's, it's like, all right, cool. What is all this really then? Because from the IGN side and from the GameSpot side too, like I can understand it as a thing of y'all are doing your exclusive forms of coverage for this, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, IGN and GameSpot kind of both serve a purpose in, in, in that instance. Jeff Keighley very much seems to be, like, more of a, a rallying cry, like, Google Calendar sort of thing. Um, and, like, he seems to be kind of, like, playing like playing the role of, 
I guess the, the architect for what the summer is going to be like. But if that's the case, then I feel like the, there has to be more vocal voices than him. Otherwise, like like the only people that are that are going to get that are the people that are very much tuning into him. And I feel like that audience at a certain point gets limited, especially when people are tuning into like when we're, when we're talking about brands as big as Xbox and Ubisoft when it wasn't involved and um, EA, right? Like. EA's audience is way bigger than Jeff Keighley's audience. Ubisoft's audience audience is bigger than Jeff Keighley's audience, right? Like Xbox's audience is bigger than Jeff Keighley's audience. If the if these brands aren't kind of pointing back to summer of gaming in some or summer game fest in some way, then it almost feels like like in a broad way that summer game fest doesn't really exist. That's kind of that's kind of how I read it. I mean, I, I this I feel like we're kind of going in circles here, but mm-hmm. what it comes down to to me is it doesn't need to exist until it does. It's like it is just a hub. It is just like IGN Summer of Gaming or whatever. But we also know this is going to end with opening night live, which sure Xbox is bigger, whatever things bigger, but it's like then that is the only thing happening. All eyes are going to be on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's like I feel like if the sunrise thing tomorrow is a success. And then the calendar starts filling out a bit more and it's sunrise two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. People understand what that is. All of a sudden there are unique announcements and unique pieces of content from Summer Game Fest. That's when it forms an identity that actually matters. Until then, it is just a hub. But until IGN announces a press conference, it is also just a hub. And you're going to get exclusive content there. There's going to be probably deeper dives and interviews and this or that. But I feel like what Summer Game Fest is promising me that the other guys aren't currently is actual game reveals and um, uh, the promise of a press conference to kick everything off August 24th. To end everything, not kick off. Yeah. Tim, now it's time to squad up. Chris writes into patreon.com slash games and says, Apex Legends Season 5 starts tomorrow, and I've decided I'm, I'm done going into matches with randoms. I'm reaching out to the best friends to see if any have an open spot on their squad or would like to start a new one. I mostly play I mostly play in the evening, Pacific Standard Time, but feel free to send me an invite anytime you see me online. Chris's PS4 uh, PSN name is SnowDude44. That's S-N-O Dude 44. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong. It's loading up here. We're looking Here's good. I've been, I've been clearing it out. Awesome. Do we do we not have any? Because it's pretty clear. A lot of editorializing today, guys. Oh, so we got we got no your wrongs. Uh, well, Tim, we did it. Hundred percent on the exam. We we're did great. it. We did the thing. We're we, we're great. This week's hosts go like this, right? Tuesday tomorrow, it's me and Imran. Wednesday, it's Greg and Gary Witta. Thursday, it's me and Tim back again, back at it like a bad habit. And then oh, Friday. Yeah. It's Greg and me. Remember, uh, this Thursday, we're recording GamesCast live on Patreon.com slash games. The topic is, what's the value of a $60 game? Very excited That's- to talk about this. This has been one that I've had a note to like, we should do this as a full conversation because it started on a Games Daily like a year ago where I, I forgot who, who I was going back and forth with. It might have been Andrea. And mm-hmm. we were talking about this. And it's just like, there's, there's a good conversation there. So uh, please, if you're a Patreon supporter, you can write in your, your thoughts as well, or questions for thought starter conversations for us to have on Gamescast. I'm very much looking forward to that. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Games. So stick around for that. 
Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>